0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the HaskinCast podcast. I have a great show for you today. My dear friend Abby Strout came by to talk to us about being a seamstress, working with Cirque du Soleil in the wardrobe department, opening up her own shop pin cushion, and some of her designs and things that she's created. She is just one of the most bubbly, warm, wonderful people that I know. She's the kind of person that like five seconds after you meet her, you just want to give her a big hug because she's so fun. Uh, She took some time out of her incredibly busy schedule to talk to me, and I greatly appreciate that, and uh, very excited to bring that to you guys as well. Uh, As far as show notes goes, there's really not a whole lot this week. I did a special episode last Saturday going over my uh, Mental Sauna 3 Christmas Inflections album. This week, if all goes well, I will have another special Saturday episode talking about my first Haunted Holidays Deadly Christmas album and going over the songs. I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys like that. But for me, I love to know the the in-depth side of it from the artist's perspective. I like to listen to it first, get to know it, and then I want to know why they created it or why they did this or why they did that. And I just find it fascinating. Maybe it's because I'm a composer that I I feel that way. But I think that a lot of people like behind the scenes kind of stuff. So hopefully that's something that you guys are enjoying and will continue to enjoy as I bring those on. Hoping to do those for all the albums uh, and books uh, at some point as I have time. I've got a couple of composing projects coming up so uh, after I do the two for the two haunted holidays albums then I might wait until next year to do uh, any more plus everyone's getting busy busy with Christmas and all that and I would imagine most people have their houses The decorating's coming along, if not completed already. I know a lot of people do that on Thanksgiving. So uh, anyway, whenever you want to listen to those, you can. They're not going anywhere. Thankfully, uh, Podbean allows me unlimited hosting, so I can post as much as I want and not have to worry about it being taken down for space limitations, which I greatly appreciate. In fact, thanks, Podbean, for hosting the podcast, uh, even though I paid for it. So there you have it. So this episode has Abby Strutt, and let's talk to Abby. let's welcome abby to the show abby how are you doing today i'm good how are you i'm doing great thank you i'm so excited to have you on
1: i'm so excited to be on the show yay
0: (laughs) i have a few things i want to talk to you about obviously which is why i had you on well first of all let's talk about your shop you have Pincushion, which is is that considered downtown las vegas the area that you're at
1: Yes. Yeah, so technically, uh, we are in the art district. Um, we're kind of smack dab in the middle of it. Um, we're like a uh, corner, corner of Charleston, Maine. So we're right by the antique alley and then also right by um, arts factory, art square. So we're kind of right in the middle of all the good stuff.
0: And conveniently, a short walk to Cockroach Theater.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Probably the best place you could have opened up because you're also a short walk from the majestic repertory too.
1: Yep, we're and it's it's actually really nice to be so close to those spaces. Um, just with it, with my background and having done a lot of shows with those two different groups, um, it's kind of nice to be closer. <laughs>
0: Just be right there. Yeah, is that why you picked that location, or did that just happen to be where you were able to find a space?
1: Um, I, I picked the. I knew I wanted to be in the arts district. Um, it was just something I, I had my heart set on, and I just I, I knew that was where I needed to go. Just with what what we do in the space, um, you know, it's a creative co working space, and, and we needed to be somewhere close to where the creative minds are. So. You know, there's the, there's a the couple of theaters there. And then with Arts Factory, you know, all the different um, art galleries. And then there's the yoga studios. There's there's just a lot of creative energy in that area of town. Um, it's definitely up and coming. And there's so many new things coming in. And, and it's just, I've I definitely got in at just the right time.
0: Yeah. And it's a lovely space, too. It's very warm and inviting. And, you know, a, a place where I think I would feel comfortable... Uh, going in and wanting to learn something and not feeling like it's this pretentious uptight place where I should just not talk because I don't know what I'm talking about.
1: Are, oh, we talk about everything. <laughs> 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 we try to keep it. That's, I we try to keep it very, I mean, the, the costume shops and, and sewing spaces that I grew up in or grew up working in. Um, it was always a comfortable space. Came in, you worked, but you talked to people and you could talk about current events or you could, you know, gossip about shows or anything like that. And it was just comfortable. It, it didn't feel like, oh, I'm going into work, kind of the schlump feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely with our space, um, we got really lucky that it has this beautiful skylight. So it makes it really nice to work by daylight and not feel kind of trapped in a, in a cement building with... Um, what do they call
0: those Fluorescence? That's what it, is. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it It is very light and airy in there. I, I just the, the few times that I visited you down there, I, it just feels like a, a place that you just want to hang out. Yep, yeah. it is. It's very comfortable. And so, you guys do uh, a variety of, of classes. What are the main things that you focus on at this point? And I know you're always developing new classes. So, at, at the time of, of this podcast coming out. Uh, where are you at, and where are you looking to go class-wise?
1: Right now, so our probably our our most popular classes right now is uh, actually, well, sort of classes. Uh, We have Sewing Basics, which is kind of for the beginner. Um, You know, we have a lot of people that come in and and say, like, hey, you know, I I inherited my grandmother or my mother's sewing machine, and, and I've always wanted to learn, like, can you just teach me how to use it? Um, so we do that, uh, which is usually pretty effective. Just kind of, it teaches the basics. It teaches you this learning the knobs and all the switches on your machine and then just some basic stitches that you can use just in everyday things. Um, and then kind of as like a, like almost an add on to that or kind of a diff, or not different, but, um, uh, Kind of another idea in that scope is um, we offer one-on-one classes. Uh, they're a little bit more expensive, but it it offers a chance if there's something specific you want to know. Um, so say you just want to know how to put a zipper into pants, or I just want to know. Um, we had one one of our students came in um, and wanted to know how to replicate one of her favorite shirts because you know the one she had was old and. She loved it so much and didn't want to get rid of it, and the company doesn't make it anymore. And so we taught her how to make a pattern out of her um, current existing clothes and then use that to make kind of replicas. Um, so that's a little bit more of a one on one if you're looking for something specific to work on. Um, and then our, and then kind of our second most popular class right now is our pattern of the month. And it was kind of an idea uh, I came up with just to kind of as a skill building thing. Um, so we have a lot of people who say, well, I know how to sew, but I want to learn more. Like, where do I go from here? Um, so I kind of came up with this idea of picking out different patterns um, and not patterns that are available at Joann's. A lot of these are kind of independent companies and um, they, you know, they're very specialized. You know, the, the people who make the patterns are people, I mean, so random, but I've, become Instagram friends with them so I'll send them messages all the time of like hey you know when's your next pattern coming out kind of stuff and um so it's it's almost like a tangible person so you know like they've made these clothes I I can trust their instructions because I know that they've made this first um so the so what I would do is I pick out a pattern that is a skill builder um so for example our first month of doing it uh I picked out uh, this, this simple draft in it, the whole idea of it is to practice working with stretching materials um, because there's a lot of different techniques you use for that, um, which it went really well. We had a couple of students, um, and what we do with the class is we meet four days or uh, every week in the month. So we meet, you know, every Saturday. Um, previously, we've done every Saturday and every Tuesday. Um, for December, we'll be doing Saturday and Thursday because with the holidays, it eats up a little bit of the, of the month.
2: Sure.
1: Um, but, yeah, so we basically what it is is we, we get together, uh, we figure out measurements, we go over how much yardage do you need of fabric and what are some good places to buy fabric, and then um, we you know cut out the pattern pieces and then we put it together. And the nice part about it is that it gives, it, with it being a group and we're all doing it at the same time, everybody kind of runs into the same issues at the same time. So if you have questions, you can kind of ask your, ask your neighbor, or they can ask me, or we kind of troubleshoot different things as we go, which I think is a big part of learning to though, is that you kind of need to trial and error a little bit. And sometimes it's hard to do that off of, like, YouTube videos. We have a lot of people who say, um, you know, I try to watch YouTube videos, but I need somebody to kind of show me that I'm doing it right or that I'm doing it wrong. Um, so that's kind of the nice part of the pattern of the month. And it seems to be kind of a hit a little bit. Um, we're just trying to find different stuff um, that appeals to people. We, and then uh, after the pattern of the month, I always end up carrying those patterns in the shop. So like right now we have a couple patterns um, and we're the only people in Nevada that carry them. Wow. Um, which is kind of a cool thing. I mean, it, the other the side note to that is that people can buy it online. Right, um, but we're the only place that has the yep, right. you can buy anything online now. exactly. Um, but we are one of the only stores that carries you know these couple of patterns in like a physical location in Nevada, I guess.
0: So. Right. I'm curious, do you find that people, I mean, obviously on YouTube, you know, you can only follow what the tutorial is, but do you find that at first people are a little timid to experiment? They really kind of just want to do something right the first time and then it takes them a little while to say, maybe I'll, maybe I'll give this a shot or, or are people generally kind of just go for it?
1: Um, I think a little bit of both. Um, the the number one question we get from people is, well, how long before I become really like a really good uh, sewer, which isn't the right word for that, but it's the <laughs> perfect word. Um, <laughs> uh, and I always tell people, I'm like, it just it just depends on it's like any other skill. You just have to work at it. If you're willing to put in the time to just kind of play with stuff and and just experiment. Um, then you get better. You kind of learn from your mistakes and you trial and error. Um, I think the thing that's scary for people is that it's a machine. It's mm-hmm. a machine with a sharp needle in it. So, of course, like, it's a little intimidating. Yeah, a little bit, <laughs> But most bit, of the yeah. time you can't actually sew your finger. I've only heard a few situations where that's
0: happened. Right.
1: Um, but I think just it being a machine, um, you know, and I always tell people it's like a car. Uh, you always kind of want to start with a Honda and then you move up into the Porsche. Like, you start <laughs> start with a simple home machine.
0: Right. Yeah. Learn
1: your basic stitches and, and kind of get used to it. Um, and it's, it always just takes, like... I always kind of suggest to people um, starting out, I say, just pick a simple project. You know, making a grocery bag. Or um, sometimes in our, in our beginning classes, we'll have them make coasters. All it is is just a simple straight stitch around but it gets you practicing getting the feel for the machine um practicing with fabrics and and different techniques and so it's kind of a I I think it's intimidating for sure for people but it is one of those things that I always tell them like you you just have to try it like you're never going to know and you won't go up any further if you don't just give it a whirl
0: Right. So, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I, it's interesting how often and how many different situations I hear that question come up when people say, "How long will it take me to be successful right? in the music business?" Or "How long before I'll get a, a really good film to work on?" Or "How long before I get a big role as an actor?" The biggest variable is you. Yeah. Exactly. How do you expect me to predict that for you when it's you know if well just sit in your chair and it's going to be seven days? <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> exactly. You know. This. <laughs> Somebody will just drop a job on your front doorstep. It's amazing how that happens. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's yeah, it just baffles me. That and maybe they don't know the right question to ask, but it just seems to me that that's it's such a strange question when the answer is really up to them.
1: Especially, if, especially when it comes to like a skill set. You know, we're not just born amazing composers or amazing seamstresses. Like, you kind of have to if you like it then you just kind of have to keep going with it. Um,
0: we're really good sewers. That's the only sewers. thing I tell
1: people. Um, yeah, sewers. So <laughs> exactly, really good sewers. Uh, it's kind of one of the things of, like, I always kind of tell people, like, if you don't like sewing, then don't do it, because it's just going to get worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just going to get more frustrated, and it's not going to be fun anymore, like... Find find a different hobby, like maybe knitting. Maybe knitting's for you. I don't right. know. Well, and
0: and the great thing is, is that if you do need something done, and it's not something that you feel comfortable doing yourself, or you're not excited about doing it yourself, I mean, there are YouTube to- tutorials that are you can learn a certain amount of things from there. Then the next step would be taking classes somewhere like Pincushion with someone like you who can really be be patient. And, and uh, I think that would be the best thing about taking a class with you is the way that you work with people because you're very patient. You're very understanding. You answer all the questions you are. You're, you're like the kind of person that I would want to instruct me in anything I ever want to do. So if I want to do something, I'm going to call you and say, okay, Abby, you need to learn this so that you can teach me whatever it is.
1: (laughs) As long as it doesn't involve a car, I'm good. (laughs) Don't ask me to do anything about a car. It's all Greek to me. I don't understand any of it. I'm happy to pay somebody else for that.
0: And that's the point. If you don't want right? to learn something, if you're not comfortable with something, there are places that you can go for just about any service that you could possibly want. So your exactly. your shop, Pincushion, isn't just about classes. You also take on all kinds of jobs. Anything from a simple alteration to full costuming, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, we do. Um, so we offer alterations, and then uh, we—I mean—we just kind of call it custom orders. Um, so we've, we've had a variety of, uh, costume requests to, um, we've done quite a bit of uh, like, a, a patio chair covers, like that kind of thing. Um, it's kind of nice, like those, those types of things, if you're willing to invest in it, it's nice because you make it your own. Um, you know, a lot of times with our, with our clients will, you know, I do a lot of research on finding just the right fabric and I will send, I mean, I probably, fairly annoying to people in emails, but I, you know, send 10 links of like, Hey, these are some fabrics I think you might be interested in. Let me know what you like. And I can go ahead and get stuff ordered, everything like that. Um,
0: I would think they would appreciate that kind of depth of service. I mean, you're not just saying, Hey, here's a website, go check them out. You're looking for this or this kind of fabric. You're actually going in and being very specific and giving them specific choices that you've already pre-screened. Most people don't take that kind
1: of time. It's true, and I've actually become a little bit notorious for being able to find things online. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad <laughs> thing, uh, but I—it is. We, we have had a couple of clients that are like, you're the best at picking out fabrics. You know exactly what color I need, and I don't know if it's just because I'm a little bit of a perfectionist in that, of like, I don't want to pick just anything. It's got to be the right thing.
0: Right, yeah. Well, I think it's a combination of that and your experience because th- you're not new to this game at all. Exactly. You know, the exactly. shop is fairly new, but but you've been doing this for a while. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> In fact, you and I met uh, working on a play that was directed by our friend Kate Saint Pierre, uh, Ephigenia, which was a Greek Yay. play. And we had these beautiful costumes and these wonderful masks that you designed, uh, incidentally for everyone but me because I was not an actor in the play. I was just—you <laughs> were not sort of, actually in the show. I, I was and I wasn't because I was a traveling sound guy. Like I had to move with the show to provide the audio. It was a really unique thing, but that's uh-huh. that's typical of Kate. Um, but she's very (laughs) adventurous and I love that about her. Once you can get on the same page and understand where she's going with it, then you can go, okay. But you usually spend the first day going, I have no idea how that's going to work.
1: Right. You just kind of, you have to like trust it. Kind of go, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how your brain's doing it, but let's do it.
0: (laughs) But you just have to jump in because you want to do something great for her. You know, she's very inspiring that way. Oh,
1: amazing. Amazing to work with
0: yes and uh and you did a great job with those costumes and that was how you and i met and then we reconnected uh this summer when we worked on still dance the stars together and you did a wonderful amazingly creative job on the costumes for that unbelievable because it's such a almost ethereal concept where you really got a basic idea of what they wanted and then you really had to create it from scratch
1: yeah, it was definitely um, different. And I you know i I love Marcus to death. I would do anything for that man. Um, and uh, it was definitely funny because you know, show opened, and I called him and and I was just like, you know, I feel terrible because it was such a for for me, it was such an interesting time because, yeah, you know, I just opened the shop, and so I was still kind of the new kid on the block. I didn't have a lot going on. And Marcus came to me with the show, and I was like, yeah, this sounds amazing. We could do all these cool things with it. And then, fortunately enough, like, the shop picked up, and we had a bunch of projects. And at the time, it was just me doing, um, pretty much running the whole thing. And and that, you know, you just lose track of everything else.
2: Sure.
1: Um, which I just felt terrible for, but somehow, like... Marcus was just like, you got this. It's going to be great. And we put it, you know, came up with this great show. And it's such an interesting concept um, with that play of, you know, we had to kind of decide, okay, well, we have these, you know, these toys that are in the show and we have to make costumes. Like we have to make these real people look exactly like the toys. Do we, you know, do we make the people's costumes and then get the toy? Or do we get the toy and base it off of the, it was, you know, you kind of have to make those crazy decisions. And so we, we found toys and then somehow magically made outfits on people.
0: <laughs> and the toys couldn't have been more perfect. Um, we, we had in the, yeah. in the play one person who in the, in the fantasy world or in the dream world, I guess it would be, uh, was a potato. And when, when we got I was the wondering box,
2: which one you were going to pick.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I could have picked any of them. But when we got the box of, of toys at one night at rehearsal and we were looking at them, I, I couldn't have imagined anybody could have found a more... I wouldn't have thought that there was a, a potato puppet in the first place. But this thing right? was just so perfect. And then the costume, of course, matched all the puppets beautifully. But you're given something like a character called a thingus. Where do you even start with that? I mean, that could be anything.
1: (laughs) I I wish that there, I wish somebody else had been in on the emails. Um, So Stacia was our props designer, and so the emails between her, Marcus, and myself on trying to pick a thing is was just hilarious because it was just the the amount of options just ranged. Like, do we go from, you know, this looks like a toy that was rejected from the factory because it's eyeball was stitched on in the weird place. Or do we go with, you know, a, sort of a relatable character? Uh, I think in my head, I thought of monsters Inc hmm. or not monsters Inc. Uh, what's that? Oh, real monsters. Do you may oh, remember okay. that show?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, they like lived in the sewer or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. I think so. I yeah. don't know. Uh, it's but, been a while, but
1: that's, that's where I was thinking of, um, and then we came up with this character, which ironically um, isn't is like a real toy, like that they they sell right now. Like I saw it, and strangely enough, in like the Black Friday ads. Really? <laughs> I was like, that's a real thing. We, that's not just on Amazon. I don't understand.
0: Yeah, and, and of course you you uh, you turned me into a spider, which uh, yes. I think to to pick like the whitest guy in all of Vegas to be the hip hop <laughs> DJ. Uh, I, I just joked with Marcus about casting me in that role because you know originally I wasn't supposed to yeah, oh yeah I mean it's, it was it was meant for me uh, but uh, yeah that was that was fun and so she uh, Abby made me this wonderful uh, hat that was it was kind of almost like dreadlocks but also spider legs at the same time so there was you know four on each side and they were they were like a really soft material uh, but it was kind of like uh, it kind of made me look a little bit hip hop DJ. And then you did, uh, for the shirt, you cut out holes in it to give me the appearance of, of, uh, spider webs and it was a black shirt. Mm -hmm. And then I wore a white shirt underneath so that that would really shine through. And I just, I was so in love with that costume. I couldn't wait to put it on.
1: Yeah, that was, it was such a fun well, and you know, and you and I, it bounced around with different ideas, and it started in the extreme, and then um, we kind of ended with the yeah, a little bit of like a reggae DJ type look. Um, but it was fun. I mean,
0: yeah, yeah. Even
1: though like your character, you know. Did you? I don't even remember. Did you have lines? I don't know if you had lines.
0: I did not say one word during, and I was on <laughs> stage. I'm present the entire play. you were on
1: stage the whole time. But I not yeah.
0: one word. I walk in and, okay. and start the play, and I'm the last one to leave the stage, and I did not say one word the entire time. I'm just present.
1: That's the best. You were. I mean, off book probably. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: I I I, I never <laughs> misdelivered a line. I will say that. Right. <laughs> uh, Kate, but Kate said, uh, "Was it catered?" I think Dina Emerson uh, from Miss Dare had said something really interesting. They said, "I I may not have have interacted a lot, or I may not have said anything, but I was a big presence on the stage." Which I thought was it's
1: interesting. true. You were.
0: Yeah. I thought I was just rather inconspicuous and forgotten unless there was action in my direction but apparently not apparently people would like look up to see what I was doing from time to time and I'm like I'm doing nothing but I hope it was worth it you know
1: <laughs> You're like I'm just killing it up here Yeah well, I yeah. think for that character it was such a it was such a connection between the at least for the for the play a connection between reality and this uh, surreality that not also all forward Look at me, come up with. I'm like a walking dictionary today.
0: <laughs> but that's, that's <laughs> no different from me in real life, anyway. So. Right. And now, for for That's anyone good. who wants to check out the um, the puppets and the costumes on my Facebook page, my my regular Facebook page, I have a Still Dance the stars album with uh, with some scenes that we were uh, taking pictures of during our uh, dress rehearsal, and then some that were actually taken during the play. and then I've got pictures of all the puppets. and so I think I've represented all the costumes and all the puppets on that page. So take a look. they they' a lot of fun. And I can only imagine yeah, yeah. that email chain for uh, designing the thing as Puppet. That just right. that must have been the last. <laughs> uh, now, you, but so previous amazing. to that, you worked with Cirque du Soleil in the costume department on uh, both uh, Zarkana, which unfortunately uh, closed fairly early. I think it was here maybe a year or so when it had closed. And then uh, it and was, then you moved on to Love.
1: It was four years, actually. Was I it think, four years? We had just, we had just celebrated, because it started. It opened in
0: 2012? Wow. Maybe. I don't know. I know I was there at least three years. I did not realize it had been that long. It just went by so fast.
1: Right? Yeah. yeah very sad.
0: <laughs> I'm glad I got to see it, though, because it was a wonderful show. It was it was a lot more classic, uh, more street performer, because it was one of the older shows. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't really designed for the theater because it had been a touring show, so whereas now mm-hmm. they do a lot of things that they they can't do on the road because they've got permanent theaters to work with. Um, but yeah. Zarkana was kind of like the blend between the two. Um, what was it like working... What, well, what was your actual title? Was it Costumer? Uh,
1: so my actual title um, was Wardrobe. Was Wardrobe Attendant. Yep, so doing um, all the... Backstage, quick changes, and and whatnot.
0: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. got to be intense because your timing has to be there all the time.
1: Yeah, it's it's insane. Um, I mean, my a lot of my background is in doing wardrobe. Um, actually, my my first big theater job out of high school uh, was being on a wardrobe crew in um, in my hometown, and um, so it's def it's so weird. Um, this is gonna sound more inappropriate than it probably should, but <laughs> it's like it's weird to to be really good at helping people change clothes. Does that <laughs> sounds terrible. <laughs> um, like I, I used to, you know, one of the one of the productions I I did. Um... Okay, backstory. Let me rewind here. Um, So I worked for Music Theater Wichita. Um, That was my first big theater I worked for after high school. And um, I started as um, an intern and then actually originally, originally started as an apprentice, like a high school volunteer. Uh, And then I started as an intern and then the next year moved up to um, assistant. And then that very next year, um, I actually got promoted to head of wardrobe. Um, and <laughs> weirdly enough, one of the shows we did was Annie and my, um, performer that I was in charge of was daddy Warbucks. And oh. I was so proud of myself because this man was like six feet tall. And, um, for your listeners, I'm like five, two, five, three.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'm no giant by any means. And, uh, daddy Warbucks and I managed to change him out of a three piece suit into a full tuxedo in 30 seconds or less.
0: Wow. That's crazy. Um,
1: which is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, and it's just, it's so weird to, and it, as a as a wardrobe person, you look at how you put on clothes differently, um, just because of you have to figure out, okay, what goes first, and, and what's the last thing I put on, and do I need to put socks before I do pants, or do I have pants and then socks, and then... You know, just trying to figure out, like, how can I do this the fastest?
0: Right. Um, I don't think I can even change from, like, jeans into sweats in 30 seconds. That's impressive.
1: Right? (laughs) There are some days where it takes me an hour (laughs) (laughs) just just to take off my shoes. (laughs) Um, But I love it. It's such a weird um, adrenaline rush. You know, because you're, you you know, as a worker person, you've got your whole quick change set up, and you're waiting for the performer to come running off stage, and, you know, and you're, you know, That sounds so dirty. I should really find a different way to describe this. It doesn't sound so bad. But you're, like, ripping their clothes off <laughs> as they're running off stage.
0: For some reason, every one of my episodes is coming up marked as explicit, even though I put that it's not oh, explicit. No. So, it, <laughs> oh, you're covered. No. You well, can say whatever you one, want. I just get so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine, though, that if you... I mean, that's thats pretty intense to do that in 30 seconds. Uh, is it—is it usually easier with male characters? Can you do things that are, are in certain layers that maybe are, are less intricate than a lot of the female costumes?
1: Um, not necessarily. A lot of times... Um, uh, it kind of depends on the outfit, really, because a lot of times you can... You know, we call it like... Uh, you know, presetting things in. So like if you have, so say the guy's wearing a vest uh, or changing his button down shirt, his vest and his jacket. So you just stack them all in at one time. Mm. So like when they come off stage, they just put their arms out and you put shirt, vest and jacket all on at the same time. Um, You know, and sometimes, and sometimes women's wear is a little bit easier because um, the term is to puddle. You can puddle their clothes on the floor and like with a dress, they just step in and then you pull it up and zip. Okay. Um, so it just kind of depends on the outfit. Sometimes it can well, and then sometimes it can go really well and sometimes it can be chaos. Because especially for performers, um, you know they're coming off in the heat of the moment. They just had this scene on stage and they have to check out and do a, a quick change and so sometimes you do get smacked in the face <laughs> right. or a knee to the eye. it's
0: mm-hmm. fine. Sure. Totally fine. Is there anything uh, with either men or women that, like, if, if someone were putting a show together and trying to think in terms of costuming, where they might have some really tight times? Is there anything that you would say would be a good idea to try and avoid because of, of uh, you know that speed that you need?
1: Uh, probably one of the hardest things I've ever run into as a wardrobe person is large group changes. Mm -hmm. Um, like a couple of shows that we did, um, like Les Mis or, um, what was another big one? Or Singing in the Rain, where you've got all 20 chorus members changing at the exact same time,
2: um,
1: which is, is a little crazy to think about. And a lot of times, um, you know, with, with certain productions, you're kind of fitting into the theater that you're in. You don't really have a chance to, um, Kind of build a theater around what you need,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: so with with a lot of quick changes like that, you just kind of shimmy into spaces where you can fit, and you you know in your backstage in the dark, so you hope that everybody sees the all the accessories they're supposed to put on, or you know you're trying to put on wigs while they're putting their clothes on, and it's it can be a little chaotic. So sometimes it's kind of important to think about those types of things if you're putting together a production, is you know. Okay, what's going to be, a lot, and, it, and a lot of it comes from, when you're putting together production, you, you don't have, you can't just think about what's happening on stage, you have to think about what's going to go on backstage. Right. Um, you know, with scene shifts of scenery and with the, with the costume changes and stuff, you kind of have to think of the whole space
0: when doing that kind of thing. Sure. And this is one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you on the show, because I think when people see a production and I'm, I'm no different, you know, I used to come here as a tourist and I, mm-hmm. I would come specifically to see a different show every time. In fact, that's part of the reason I would come up three or four times a year and you just enjoy the performance and you don't really think about the depth of work that really goes into them. And, you know, when you think about things like having to get somebody off and back on stage in, in a minute, uh, com- and completely different. You know, I, I was just watching a video last night where they were showing singers that changed their outfit during the song. And some of it was lighting technique, so it was kind of cheating a little bit. But some of them they would have, yeah. like, you know, if it's a female who's singing, she would have the four men that are dancing with her just tear out the outfit. And then she would have another one on underneath. And, and things yeah. like that, and I'm like, but what about the backstage stuff? So that's really interesting that, that you shared those stories because I was just thinking about that last night.
1: Yes, and it's funny that you say that you, um, that when you, like, come to see shows, like, you just watch the performance because now, for me, having had all of my background is in backstage, I, I can't necessarily enjoy a performance like that, mm-hmm. that I sit and I think about, oh, what's going on backstage? Like, Oh, how did they do that quick change? Or like, oh, that scenery shift is going a little weird. Or you know, you can kind of <laughs> right. It's it's bad because I can see things. I'm like, oh, that's a that cue is a little late, like kind of things. You know, and I'm not any part of the production, but I you know just see things and I'm like, oh, sure, that's interesting. <laughs> that's
0: that's where I'm at now. When when I first started coming up here, um, I think the first time I came up here was 2000. I think it was late in the year 2000 and um so that was when everything was like really fresh and i really i had done a little bit of theater back in school but i didn't really have a lot of exposure to it um but now of course having been part of so many of the productions and and working on various uh, projects yeah i i really spend more time now uh as much as I would like to, to just sit down and enjoy the show I tend to be looking at it from a technical or even a musician you know music standpoint um, Yeah. I'm like okay well that that drummer started a little early or uh, you know that they're they're a little off sync I bet one of their ear monitors is out or something you know Yeah. Uh, so yeah it does when you're in the business it does get a little hard to disconnect from being in the business. Yeah. It's it's
1: a sad sad but true statement.
0: It is. <laughs> And then so after, uh, after you worked on Zarkana, then you went over to Love, what was, what's like, how different is it going from one show to another where your job is basically the same, but the production is completely different?
1: I think it's really just that, that it's, you know, it's adjusting to a whole new, I mean, it's a whole new crew, it's a whole new cast, it's a, a whole new backstage to learn. Um, the biggest difference for me between Sarkana and Love was that Sarkana wasn't it. We didn't have a lot of... I didn't call them quick changes. I like to call them swift changes, as in, like, you've got five minutes, but, like, you can't just, like, sit and chit-chat for five minutes. You have to actually right. you know change clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, moving to Love, they actually had quite a few real, like, quick changes. Um, so that was kind of nice to like get back in the action kind of a thing. And... Um, and you know, and you spend the first month of it trying to figure out where you are backstage because um, uh, although the theater is in the round, backstage is in a horseshoe, oh. and so you're kind of trying to figure out. Okay, so if I am, you have to get your directions right, but you know, you're trying to figure out north and south, but you're inside in the cement building, so you don't have any kind of sky guide, right? <laughs> um, you know there's all these signs everywhere and, and you've got mostly people telling you like no no you're going the wrong way um, kind of a thing but um, yeah that's probably the biggest change
0: that show is incredibly busy too there, it, it's not an excessively huge cast but it seems like it because there are so many different costumes it seems like there's a lot of people in that show more so than you can tell at the end when they come out to take their bow um, yeah is, is my perception right on that
1: Yeah, I mean every I would say every performer has at least at least three different looks that they wear during the show. Um and they and they pretty much wear them every every show. Um there with a few exceptions of, you know, people being rotated or anything like that. Um but yeah, it's uh it's quite incredible. The amount of costumes in that show is is crazy and and just the you know, the team that goes into it to, to maintenance it and to, um, you know, keep that ship running is, is incredible.
0: Well, that's what I was going to ask because it's not just that even it's that they're very active. There's a lot of dancing, a lot of movement, a lot of, there's not a lot of standing still. Um, it would seem like those outfits would wear out fairly quickly and the maintenance would be a huge part of that.
1: Yeah. And, and that's, the nice thing about Cirque is that they do try to keep a lot of that in mind. Um, they do think about, okay, so what's happening in this outfit? Um, can we? What type of fabric should we use that's going to last a little bit longer? Um, you know, what's what's washable or what's an easy-to-wash thing um, that we can make so that that way, you know, it doesn't get super smelly or stained or anything like that, that it's kind of an easier easier care. Mm-hmm. Um so that is, that is one of the very smart things that, that Cirque does, is that they try to keep that kind of stuff in mind of, you know, how do we make these last as, as long as possible before it's, you know, it's seen, you know, 200 shows, too many kind of a thing.
0: Right. Yeah. So that being the case, out of curiosity, would, it, would I be wrong in thinking that Velcro-type rip-off, rip-away clothing would be a, a thing in theater?
1: It is. Um, oh. they, it's called uh, quick rigging, really. And there's a couple of different ways that, that quick rigging happens. Um, Velcro is, is probably one of the top ones. Um, there's also snaps. Uh, a lot of theaters will use some kind of snap. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll see on, like, a men's button-up shirt, um, the buttons will be stitched to the actual buttonhole, mm-hmm. um, and then there will be snaps underneath so that it looks like the shirt's buttoned up, but it's actually just quick rigged.
2: Okay.
1: Um, another couple of options is there is um, magnetic tape um, that you can also use. So there are some pieces I've seen. Um, I've done a couple of productions where we everything was kind of held together with magnets because she did this quick change on stage, and so she needed to be able to access it. But also, you have to think about, and in circ shows, it's not as much because there aren't, um, the performers aren't necessarily wearing microphones. But in like a regular theater production, a lot of times you are wearing microphones. So you don't want to be able to hear it. Right. You don't want to hear velcro ripping or anything like that. So.
0: Sure, you do. You want to know what's going on I while you're trying to watch the such lead. It's a
1: beautiful audience.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where that's where my job comes in as the audio engineer. And, you know, when I worked exactly. on, on some of these shows, is you have to know when somebody's going to come on and go off stage, and you need to know when to mute and unmute their mic. And uh, the first thing that you do is you get the the script. And then you go through the script and you see where each character comes in, where they go out, where when they're talking, when they're not, and you, you know what mic number they're going to be. And you set up a, a notes in the book of mic one on, mic two off, mic three on, you know, and so that you have that whole cue system to follow. And then you don't hear somebody changing clothes or going to the bathroom or explaining to somebody that they can't see outside because of the smoke or whatever. Um, those things happen, you know, when, when the is yeah. not, not on point. Because the actors should be able to trust that the engineer has turned their mic off and they shouldn't have to worry right. about it. Uh, but if, if it were me and I were going to the bathroom in the middle of a show, I probably would double check and just turn off my mic back. But that's just me.
1: Right. Well, I think even sometimes then, like... You know, an, an audio engineer who's like really on top of things then freaks out because they can tell if a mic's been turned off. So of they're like, "What's happening?" Yes. Um, and then it's like, "Oh no, just in the restroom."
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> I see those lights go on and off, and I'm like, um, "That better come back on because in the next scene You're that like, person's going to be singing." So <laughs>
1: right, like unless they're all of a sudden going to be a silent character,
0: right? Now you've you've not just done resident shows; you've gone out on touring shows too. How how much more challenging is it to be on the road where you can't just run to your local shop that you have, you know, a relationship with and get material or fabric or snaps? Um, wh- how do you deal with uh, with those kind of situations when you're out on tour? I mean,
1: the probably the because the tour I was on um, was with Sesame Street Live. Mm-hmm. Um, so the difference in that is that um, it's so the fabric and everything is very specific. So when they when they buy the fabric to make the costumes, they buy a ton of it, and then they send you out with this kind of collection of fabric to do what you need to do, like daily maintenance type mm-hmm. of things. Gotcha. And then and then they have it so that if you you know there's some kind of major repair, you can always call back to the main shop and and they would send it out. Gotcha. Um, so that, and that's you know, and that's the thing with tour is that you kind of, you do have to think ahead before you even hit the road of like, okay, what kind of craziness could we run into? Um, you know, do we need? And we had, I mean, all kinds of different things, you know, packed away just in case kind of situation. Um, so that's kind of the big thing with tour is that you. I mean, just the, the road boxes for wardrobe are, are insane because you have to prepare for anything. Because like you said, like you can't, you can't just hop in the car and run over to Joanne's. Um, right. A lot of times some of the cities you're in don't even have a store like that. Um, and so you kind of have to, so if you you know need hand needles or whatever, you better make sure you've got a 100 of them before you hit the road because you're probably going to lose at least half.
0: Right, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it definitely seems like that would add another layer of challenge. So that's I mean, obviously, they they know how to do this, they've got it down to a science, but that does make a lot of sense. Because, you know, you, you probably couldn't find the specific fabric that you spent 10 hours hunting down because you needed the perfect thing.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: I mean, I would imagine some of the more basic stuff, like Thread, you can always find that. There's always a Walmart. There's always something in a pinch that you can it can do. Oh, yeah. But the bigger pieces, oh, yeah, sure. that would need to be too specific. Uh, do you miss yeah. going out on the road, or was that a good experience for you?
1: I think that, uh, I think for me, for it being my first road experience was a little hard, uh, because we we were on the type of, of show schedule where you were only really in a city for Two maybe three days,
2: oh. um,
1: so you didn't really get to experience things. Like there was a couple of, of places where we we had kind of a sit down schedule, so we were there for a little bit longer and could actually do some fun things. Um, and it was neat to to travel to you know weird places. Like I went to um, the original KFC, like you know such a weird thing you don't think about, but we right. were in the city and there it was, and so we went and checked it out and. You know, just random random things, at least on, like, the show that, that I worked on. Um, we just went to a bunch of kind of obscure cities, and and it was, <laughs> I kind of made it my own job to Google the cities we were going to before we left, to be like, okay, what can we do? What's happening?
0: Right. Um, yeah, take advantage of you it. You know,
1: what's within a 30-minute drive? Like, what, are, what do people want to do? Um, so that was... That was kind of the fun part. I don't know if I would go back. I'm I'm kind of a as, as I described it to somebody. Like I'm kind of a settler. Yeah. You now like having having my place. Like traveling is great, but I like. To be
0: home. <laughs> yeah, I don't even like to travel. I, I'm so much of a homebody. Like, I don't, you know, really? mind going and visiting, like my brother in Phoenix for three or four days. That's always fun. But I really just like I like to be where I'm comfortable. I like to be where I know where everything is, and, and I really prefer to be working in the studio anyway. I mean, I have a couple of bucket list places to go. Yeah. But other than that, like I, I have friends that you know they fly to Japan or fly to Australia, and I'm like, I don't know how you do that. I'm in a plane for an hour, and I want to get out.
1: <laughs> Which is inconvenient if you're on a flight to Australia, oh, exactly. you can't exactly. get
0: out. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how drunk or how many narcotics you can take that'll just make you pass out. But I right. would need all of them, I think, because that's just right. too long. My, my four <laughs> and a half hour flight course. to Montreal was was plenty. Oh
1: goodness!
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I I want to ask you as a as a designer, like you know, when when people bring you design projects to do. Uh, As a composer, I kind of struggle with the, we're going to keep doing it until you're happy versus the, I'm not going to redo this 57 times because you keep changing what you want me to do based on what I did on the last one. Do you find it difficult to draw a line with people on how many times they can change things? Or is it, are you able to really accommodate what they need fairly quickly?
1: You know, that is like the million dollar question. Um, I actually just had a conversation with this um, or about this with some friends of mine um, that have their own production company, and and it's it's kind of it's for me because I'm a very much a people pleaser. Like I I want them to be happy because when they're happy, I'm happy. Right. Um, I may not have been happy in the process, but at least at the end, like everybody's excited. Um, so it's hard to to for me to say no to be like you know. I'm not going to change this. This is what you wanted, Um, you know, and and so that's kind of the hard part. And it's different for me. It's different when I'm designing the show to when I'm working in the shop. Um, Like designing the show, I will do, well, I will do almost anything (laughs) just to make sure that the show goes up. Right. Um, there have been some times that I'm like, no, you don't get that. This <laughs> is right. not happening. Like, I don't know where
0: to, to an extent, part of it's going to depend on the schedule too, because if you only have yeah. X amount of time, there's only so much you can do. Or if you've got, yeah. you know, you only allotted so much time because you've got another thing that you're working on and, and you're physically unable to, you know, go to that extent. But I I just, you know, I'm kind of like you. I'm one of those people that, yeah, I just want to give you whatever you want, and I want you to walk away really happy, and I want you to come back to me next time, no matter how how happy or frustrated I was with this project. But that is kind of a tough thing, because you can't always just redo and redo. And for music, um, unless I have to buy uh, instruments or hire performers, there's really no cost. But for you... There is, because you have to buy more fabric. You have to buy more materials. You have to buy you know, more grommets and different things that you might need. I don't know how often you buy a grommet. That just popped into my head. But, uh, <laughs> but, so it's different I do grommets for, all the time. <laughs> but it's different for you because you have hard physical costs that every time they want revisions, that's more money.
1: It is. Um, and actually, it's, it's interesting because um, I just recently went to um, a sewing conference for um, an organization called the Association of Sewing and Design Professionals. Um, and one of the classes I took was with, um, strangely enough, with a with a tax lawyer. Um, and that was one of the things that he talked about because we said, you know, where do you draw the line? Um, one of the examples he gave, his wife um, designs custom wedding dresses and, you know, custom formals and things like that. And he says, you know, what happens if you get to a week before... They need whatever you've made for them, and they've gained 30 pounds. Whose fault is that? It's not your fault that the dress doesn't fit anymore. And, right. you know, you don't want to say, oh, it's your fault you've gained 30 pounds. Um, so he said the, the easiest way to cover that is, is is doing a contract, is to say, you know, this is – and be very, very detailed of, like, this is the picture you're agreeing to – these are the details you're agreeing to, and then you're also agreeing to any changes made outside of this, other than basic alterations. You know, oh, this needs to be taken in an inch, or you know, just little alterations. Um, anything outside of that is an extra cost, um, and that's something that you have to agree with with your client. Um, and you're right; like it's it's a little different, just because you know we always tell people of of. When you give an estimate or something this you're selling them, like, this is how much the supplies will cost. If I need to order more, it's going to be more. Um, and most of the time, people get that. There there are a few that are like, well, you know, this isn't exactly what I wanted. Or, you know, and sometimes it's hard because, um, and I'm probably, I, I'm do not like sketching. I just like people to hand me a picture and say, I want this, this, and this, and this. I can go, great, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And that's the hard part, is that if you don't have a picture or, or something concrete, some kind of concrete evidence of what's being made... Um, you don't have a lot of wiggle room to say like, oh, well, this is exactly what you wanted. Right. So that's, that is kind of a, a hard part to turn into. And that's one of the things I'm, I'm learning to be better at. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's tough as it because you have to be a human being, but you have to be a business person at the same time. And yeah. you know, any of us, especially in the arts, do face that because it's not like, you know, if you own a, a convenience store, A candy bar is $0.95 or $7 or whatever they are nowadays. Yeah, Uh, a million dollars. They are. I I, was at uh, our our local grocery store last night, and I saw that they had some of these uh, organic candy bars, and some of them were $7 a piece, and I thought it's... It's, it's not like the size of a table. It's just a little thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, but those are finite costs and they can, you know, they shop each other and they go, okay, what is this store selling it for? And what is that store selling it for? And what's the MSRP? And then they price it accordingly. But those are finite costs. For us, almost everything is a variable. Yeah. And that it makes is. it tough yeah. to really, you know, to, to not when you have a good heart, and when you want to just help people and make people happy, it's really hard not to be the one that takes the hit. To make your client happy, but you have to—you have to draw that line.
1: Yeah, and so—and it's you know it's such a cheesy line, but it's the first thing that comes to my head. Is like sometimes you need to know when to hold them and when to fold them.
0: That's right. You know, like
1: there's there's some it's such a this is what happens when I live in Vegas too long. Um, <laughs> but all these like gambling references come to head. Of course they um, do. Yeah. Uh, but it's true. Like there there's definitely some. There's some people that you work with that you're willing to kind of give a little bit because you want to work with them again, or you know that they'll come back. And then there's some people that are just bit, are just too demanding, or they're just very difficult to work with. And and sometimes you just have to like, and like you said, in a in a business owner kind of thing, you just have to be like, you know what, like I'm just gonna do this until they're happy. But I know now for the future. Maybe that's not somebody I want to work with. Or you learn from it. You kind of go, okay, well, now I know next time I get a project with them, I'm going to have to double the price just to cover anything that could happen
0: kind of a thing.
1: Which sounds terrible, but you you do have to cover your butt a little bit sometimes.
0: And sometimes you do things to earn someone's business, and sometimes you do things to make sure they never come back.
1: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: Sad but true. Now your uh, your gambling reference was was very well timed because that leads me into my next question. Uh, but I'm going to ask a question before my next question, so that's really not my next question. Now, uh, <laughs> t- thinking about people who are you know interested in sewing and maybe thinking about getting into that as a hobby or or a profession, when they're first starting out, like you said earlier, you want to you want to start with a simple project that's going to be you know manageable are there uh, certain fabrics that you would recommend that they start with or certain fabrics you would recommend maybe that they stay away from?
1: The easiest fabric to work with in, in an early stage is, is a cotton. You know, it doesn't, it's not shifty. It's not super heavy. It doesn't require like a really specialty needle to work with. And that's probably the best way to go. The other, when you start getting into a lot of the fashion fabrics like satin or um, chiffons or even like a knit, really, um, it, you get into, you know, needing specialty needles. You got to know the right kind of stitch length and width that you need to use, and and you know, do you know how do you finish the edges and and that kind of a thing. So. Cotton is really the easiest to work with, um, and that's what I always recommend with people. And it's really kind of the, the cheaper end of the fabric spectrum. That's the one thing that's really funny. We had a a, a client of ours come in, or not a client, but one of our um, class attendees came in, and she goes, yeah, I thought that, like, learning how to sew would be cheaper because, you know, they did in the olden times, and that's how they saved money is they made their own clothes. And she goes, and then I saw the price of fabric, and I said, yep. That's exactly it. (laughs) I was like, it all sounds like it's cheaper until you get to the fabric store. And then it's just like, well, there went my wallet.
2: Sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: But um, it is like cotton is definitely like a good beginner fabric because it's, you know, cotton comes in fun prints. So if you wanted to make like a little funky apron. There's all kinds of, of different things out there. Like, I, you know, I'm obsessed with dogs, and so I always pick up like the random dog prints, but I'm never going to do anything with it, but at least they're fun. <laughs> going back to the whole spending too much money on fabric thing. Right,
0: yeah. <laughs> so, not Naga hide would, would probably be a bad one to start with, I would think.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Is it tough to work with uh, leathers and things, like even like some of the real soft stuff?
1: It is. Um, and, it, and it's kind of one of those specialty things that you really need to know what you're doing with it actually funny enough um i was just working on a, a leather project the other day i was redoing um a purse strap <laughs> i was sitting in the machine and and it, it and i were having a really hard time we were not working well together it was i was just about ready to throw this like 200 pound industrial machine out the door and i was sitting there and i smelled something and i so um one of our team members were there, and I was like, "Please tell me somebody else smells this, or am I having a stroke? Because it smells like this machine is on fire." That I don't see any smoke, I don't, I don't see anything, like, but it smells bad. And so uh, she came over. She's like, "Well, I kind of smell it, like, nothing crazy." And so I kind of kept going, and I smelled again. I was like, "Okay, something's wrong." And what I found out was that the needle was getting super hot. I actually burned my finger on it. Um, And so it was burning the thread.
2: Oh, wow.
1: As it was feeding through the needle, it would burn the thread. And so I was like, well, I have to get this done. I can't not get this done. So I ended up taking one of our shop fans and I set it about a foot away from my machine. And I had it blowing directly in my face and on the needle so that it would keep the needle cool while I sewed. Wow. I was like, I've never looked more ridiculous in my life. But it got done.
0: (laughs) It just goes to show no matter how much you know, there's always something more to learn.
1: It, it is. There's always, you know, you, you, run, you hit a wall and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, there is a the solution. Okay, got yeah. it.
0: Yeah. And that's the fun part is when you find the solution. But, you know, with, with you saying all that, I never really thought about, other than measurements, how mathematical sewing really is
1: it is it is you know and a lot like measurement is a big part of it but a lot of times you have to figure out uh, kind of an example is how like we did a circle skirt so in order to figure out a circle skirt you have to figure out what is your and I call it a pie piece but like the where you cut your waistband like where your waist is going to be you have to figure out okay well how much is that distance and then how do I go from there and and then even with sewing needles there's a whole science to that there's you know the there's two different numbers that come with a needle and one of the numbers uh, is determining on the, the thickness of the needle and then the other one determines how sharp it is and and so it's a lot of a lot of details into that and it's, it can be a, sometimes a little um, brain explosive
0: yeah yeah it, it, it makes perfect sense it's just not something that had really occurred to me until a few minutes ago so that's actually pretty fascinating yeah. Now, before we go, uh, the, the question that I was going to ask you earlier uh, with your, uh, your Gambler reference, tell us about that lovely dress made of cards.
1: <laughs> the, the infamous dress. Yes. It's so funny because I, I mean, I love that outfit. Um, I never thought it would be as, as well received as it has been. Not that like, I didn't think people would like it, but people are crazy about it. And it literally just kind of came to me on a whim. I I have two outfits that I'm I'm actually probably most proud of. And and it all started with, um, at Sarkana we used to do, uh, every year we would do a thing called Walk the Wardrobe. And basically it was an opportunity for um, our costume department and anybody else who wanted to to design something um, to kind of put together a runway show. So we picked different categories, and it was always something kind of funky, like nothing, you know, no couture-type situations, anything like that. It's always kind of a chance to let us express our artistic side. I think one of the categories the first year was recycled fashion. And the, the story of how I came up with this outfit is kind of funny because I'm just just playing bingo, but as most people will tell you, I'm not fun to play bingo with because I get very angry. Really? Um, I like it to be very quiet. I don't like when people talk during bingo. It's very weird, and I highly suggest that like that's, if you want to like casually hang out with me, bingo is not where that's at. Good to know. Um, <laughs> which is very, <laughs> it makes me sound like a cranky 90 year old woman. Uh, so we we're sitting there playing bingo and, uh, and I had gotten my corona with my little lime on a toothpick. And I sat there and I was like, oh, what am I going to do for this category? Blah, blah, blah. And I looked and I was like, oh, I should make it out of these little toothpicks. I'm going to make a dress out of little toothpicks. And that, you know, sounded like a really good idea in the moment. And then when I thought about how many toothpicks I was going to need in order to make a dress, I right. decided that was not really cost effective. Um, so then the next thing was, and I <laughs> another thing that makes me like a cranky old woman, is I don't like to play with the electric bingo cards. I think that's cheating. Um, I'm very old school. We go paper all the way. Uh-huh. And so I was standing there looking at my bingo cards, and I was like, oh, my God. I should make an outfit out of bingo cart. Oh. That sounds ingenious. So I literally <laughs> went by all the tables and collected as many bingo sheets as I could. That which I'm sure looked crazy strange. Sure. Um, me walking out with like a you know, five inch sack of bingo cards.
0: <laughs> well with your attitude I don't think anyone's really right. gonna challenge you. <laughs> yeah. I was just
1: like la la la, la. don't let me put you in my purse. <laughs> and so then I, I i made this this bingo outfit it was like a little crop top and a little like 70s kind of pant um and it was my favorite one of the coolest things i did and then uh, a few years later when we did walk the wardrobe again we had this um we could do a collection of five and so i really i really loved doing the recycled goods like something about Making a, a, an item that you would never have thought as a material and just making it into something is kind of like something I find really interesting. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think my collection was – I did another – I did a bingo skirt. I had made like a vintage-style men's swimsuit, and I embellished it with bottle caps. Wow. And then um, – which the story of how I ended up with hundreds of bottle caps is another really funny story for another time.
0: Oh, okay. Well, to, <laughs> is, then, that, is that your way of saying, I want to come back on the show?
1: We'll do, yeah. We'll do part two of the podcast. Yes. <laughs> the extension. Um, and then I did, so I did bottle caps, another bingo outfit. I did uh, like a flapper dress, but made with um, necklaces. And then um, what was my other? I did five. What was the other one I did? I don't know. Anyway, there's one more. And then I had, um, oh, I made a, a pair of overalls with men's ties. And then I did the, the card outfit, which is actually a, a corset and a skirt. And the, the corset was, um, I actually randomly had this corset in my closet. It had been given to me years ago, and I never wore it. Um, and I said, okay, let's let's throw some cards on there. And the, so then the funny part of how I ended up with so many cards is my, my grandpa is a huge fan of going to casinos, but he's super friendly like me. And he always asked the dealers um, or not the dealers, but the, the boss guy that's behind them always asked them for the old cards, because what casinos do is that when they're done with the cards, they punch a hole in it. And then they either throw them out around or I don't know whatever else they do. But my grandpa always gets a box. And so for the longest time, He would send me these boxes, which have, like, 20 decks of cards in them. So in my possession, I had, like, 50 decks of cards. (laughs) Like, what I was going to do with 50 decks of cards, I have no idea, which is kind of what I was like, oh, I should make something with cards. Let me get rid of this. Right, (laughs) yeah. To clear out my trash. Um, And so I I went through and I took these cards and I, I stitched them onto the corset. Kind of it's just like an, a top layer kind of thing. And then um, for the skirt, I wanted to do something to kind of feature that they were playing cards. And so I, I made a, they call it a mermaid skirt. And I got about halfway through sewing the cards on the train when I sat and I was like, this is a huge mistake. What was I thinking? Oh, no. Oh, God. Because it was probably about, uh, probably about five decks of cards worth. Mm-hmm. And I just sewed them Row after row after row, um, just stitching them all onto the the train of the skirt, and I and that was like my I guess piece to there resistance or whatever they call it, super fancy. And uh, but people love it. I, it's so crazy to me because I was like, oh, what a cool idea, and and people are obsessed with it. It's not I put it in the front window of the shop for so long, and and people would stop all the time and take pictures, and
2: yeah,
1: it was crazy.
0: It's something obviously that's very unique. But what was it that that you were unhappy with when you were sewing it?
1: It's just the difficulty of oh, trying okay. to fit this giant train of of cards that don't. It's not a flexible like cards are not a flexible thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so when you when you're like twenty rows in and trying to shove this under a you know under a sewing machine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was crazy difficult. And I, I just, I know my, my mom and my sister, um, came to town for that fashion show and, I remember them like watching me on that last day trying to just sew everything together. And I was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> this is the worst idea.
0: Well, not only that, but I mean, just making sure that they're all evenly aligned exactly. so perfectly must have been a challenge. And obviously, you're yeah. not working with material that's, you know, uh, being very friendly to you uh, for, for putting it together. Yeah. I, I'm glad you didn't decide on poker chips. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> next time
0: <laughs> well i do yeah i you, it's i could probably be done i would imagine but i i would think that would be incredibly heavy
1: yes and actually that's what i ran into with the bottle cap um mm. was that i was gonna do the full swimsuit and bottle caps but the it was so heavy um and it just it just stretched out and i only ended up doing like the top half of the front and the top half of the back and it just stretched so bad and i was like well never mind
0: <laughs> now have you ever actually worn the card dress
1: i have not um i don't know if i could <laughs> i was like i don't know if i made it for a size that i would fit um oh yeah but i actually just recently um lent it out for um for a photo shoot um there's a a photographer that's based in the arts district. And he had come by one day and was like, Oh, this is amazing. Like I'd love to do a shoot with it. Um, can I, you know, can I borrow it sometime? And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Um, so he just recently did, um, a photo shoot with it, which is really cool just to see it on a different person and, and yeah. to see it back in action. So,
0: that's very cool. Yeah, I, when I first saw it, I was just kind of blown away from, because I'd never seen anything like it. It was incredibly unique. But it was also, it just looked impressive. It was very well done. And, the, and yeah. the kind of thing that you would look at, especially living in a town like Vegas, and go, I can't believe I've never seen this here before.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's funny. And, and for me, um, it's just with people's response to it, it's actually kind of inspired me that I, I want to do more. Like, I want to create more card outfits. Uh, I've got a couple of ideas in the works in my head right now, so it's just finding the time to do it. Uh, it's such a, you know, it's just so different, and I, and I really do love a lot of what I do. Um, I really like recycling things, like, and not, you know, I'm not, I'm not to dog on people, but I'm not like a super crazy recycler, but I like looking at something going, that could be something else, like, I can make that into something else, or, you know, I'll buy stuff in stores all the time, I'll be like, well, I don't like the sleeves on this, but if I put in a little panel here, and then it'll look a little different, I have a little trim on the end, like, I do that kind of stuff.
0: So you're a repurposer.
1: Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's a better word than recycle. I'm just so good with words today.
0: <laughs> Doing great. Yeah, <laughs> right? I I definitely think about my carbon footprint a lot more than I used to, and and. and Obviously, most of the stuff that I do is digital. So I don't print a lot of sheet music. I can look at it on the computer, on my second monitor instead. Um, you know, I, I really try to minimize how much I actually waste. And yeah. it's a tough thing. But I really like the idea, especially when it comes to, like, artists that, that reuse things. I see a lot of sculptors will do that. They'll use, you know, material that they just find that was junk or, you know, sitting around in a basement or a garage. And they'll find a way to, to put it into their art. I, I definitely love that yeah um i love that that your grandfather was bold enough to ask the boss to just give him some cards <laughs> that's...
1: oh my god he does it all the time too it's so funny and they and they're cool with it like yeah i don't know i don't know if they do that in vegas but
0: in this shops um they sell their uh recycled cards you can just go into like whatever hotel sundry shop and they'll usually have you know 25 oh, or 30 right. decks and you can buy them Um the I think it was the first or second time I came to Vegas, I was staying at Treasure Island and and that was like my big souvenir was getting a deck of actual Treasure Island cards. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: I went back home feeling so cool, you know. But uh no, I I love that. I'm definitely so glad that you came on the show. Thank you so much. And and for those um, folks that live here in town, or if you're just visiting, Take some time, go downtown. The Arts District is really cool just to even walk around. Like, There's just a lot of little cool shops and little um, very unique bars and restaurants that aren't the the chains. You know, there's stuff that, in fact, there's one up the street from you. um, You'll probably, uh, Rebar, I think it is, where they have all kinds of just antiques and different things for sale. It's very interesting to just walk through there because you see all kinds of vintage stuff and you can make offers on it. Um, and yeah. and it, they're all like really unique, personal places, and it's nice to get away it from is. the big chains and the, you know, the corporate feel, and really feel like the old family-owned business days. And uh, so, yeah. go down, check out Pincushion, go take a class. Um, I've been down to the to the shop it's absolutely just a, a wonderful warm environment and you'll learn great stuff and, and it's just a great place to be so uh, we'll post all the links in the show notes as to you know where you can find her on Instagram and all those good places and then uh, get on her email list because she sends out some cool stuff from time to time I appreciate that you don't overload on the email
1: I won't and I'm, I'm probably the worst about sending the emails too which reminds me I need to send one this week <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you, well, that gives people a chance to get on the list first. See, uh, yes, I, I try subscribe. to do like I try to do one a month, and if I have like a major release coming out, I'll either time it to that release or maybe I'll send a second email that month. But I really don't like to, you know, bombard people. I've got companies that yeah. I have to remove myself from their list because I'll get an email every day or every other day, and I'm just like, I, 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 I buy from you like once or twice a year. I don't really need to know about everything you do, you know.
1: Right? Exactly.
0: Yeah, especially oh I I got what was it, two hundred and seventy some emails today just for Cyber Monday.
1: Oh my gosh, it's nuts. it and like uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. Well and then now some companies too, they'll send you text messages too. If you like yeah. if you subscribe to them via text, like oh uh, it's just all the things.
0: Yeah, well the thing is now is that Black Friday actually started uh, November first, at least in the music industry. And then it turns oh, into Extended Black Friday, which becomes Cyber Monday, which will become Extended Cyber Monday. I mean, there's it, it's just a blur now. There's no point in naming it yeah. anything. It's just, we have sales because the holidays are coming up. Let's just call it that.
1: Right, exactly. You know? Right. Thanksgiving weekend sales. Like, that's what it should be. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yeah. And uh, stop beating people in the face because you want $10 off of a television
1: oh set. It's so funny, too, because... It, like now there were so many stores I noticed that opened like Thanksgiving nights. I'm like, why is there even a reason to like, have the chaos on black Friday? Like you yeah. could have gone the night before. Right. I don't
0: know. Yeah. But crazy And to make people work, at, you know, when, when they should be spending yeah. time with their families, because at least in America, even if you think it's a stupid holiday, a lot of people still, and, and I say that because it's predicated on just a ridiculous history. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, the fact is is that people do spend time with their families and to make them strip away from that so that people can be horrible to each other. try I mean, mm-hmm. it's not, not like you can't get great deals. you can still do doorbusters. There's so much more we can do than than making people go through yeah. that and uh, but I've heard that it's that the sales have actually declined, and I haven't heard from this year yet what Black Friday was, but every year it's been declining like twenty to thirty percent from the previous year the amount of people that are going out Black Friday shopping. So I'm hoping that that's really a trend that just starts to s- just die off.
1: Yeah, kind of dissipates a little bit. Yeah. Well, with so many online stuff, and that was a lot of the the companies that I saw, they actually offered like online Black Friday sales. Mm-hmm. So you didn't even have to go into the store. Right. Which I think, you know, is still benefiting them, but at least it kind of cuts down on the on the chaos a little bit.
0: It does. And I think what happened was when Cyber Monday started, so Cyber Monday was the digital Black Friday. So you had the the Black Friday was going to the stores and punching people in the face. And then (laughs) when you could see again, you had uh, Cyber Monday so that you could order stuff online. And I think the deals got so good with Cyber Monday that people started to realize they didn't need to go out and go through that chaos on Black Friday. And, and then the Black Friday people were like, well, now we've got to do something better to, you know, to kind of counteract Cyber Monday. And the whole thing just got ridiculous. So basically, everybody offers free shipping from like November 7th on through Christmas. And yeah. the, the whole thing just doesn't matter anymore. But yet there's still people that will go and fight for those deals right and
1: lose their mind. Yeah, yep,
0: it's crazy. I went out on one Black Friday uh, and it was it wasn't for anything major. It was just they they were having a deal on something small. And I thought, well, it'd be good to stock up on those. And and of course, you know, I was maybe the 100th person in the door and I by the time I got to whatever it was I needed, they were already gone. I think it was like flash drives or something. Oh, yeah. I got stuck in Best Buy. Like I couldn't get out. <laughs>
2: Ooh so terrifying.
0: Well, they had they had kind of angled everything so that you had to walk a certain way through the store.
2: Yeah.
0: Very manipulative, and not only that, it was so crammed with people that you couldn't move forward no matter what. Yes. So I ended up uh, flagging down an attendant and he moved a television for me so that I could just get out. I'm like this is stupid. I you know, you don't have what I need. I'm not buying anything. I don't want to spend the next 6 hours in here fighting with people. Right. You know, he's like, "Oh out. yeah, just here." And he moved the set, and I, I got to leave. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm never doing this again."
1: Yeah, we used to we used to camp out, but really just for the novelty of like camping out. You know, like cause yeah. we were like, "Yeah," because we like it was such an odd tradition. So what we would do is that we would go see a movie after Thanksgiving dinner, and then we would go camp out. And so it was just kind of fun, you know, a little thing you did it wasn't anything we really wanted from Best Buy, right? Just wanted to. Day, like yeah we kept out to go and
0: you predicated it on having an experience
1: yeah and that and that was the thing is and so but the the year we stopped doing it like I had like a full panic attack in the middle of Best Buy because I was so overwhelmed with people and in the shuffling and I just like I lost it I was like ah, wow. you so then we stopped doing it
0: uh, by the way if uh, Best Buy ever becomes a sponsor of this show we love you yeah right.
1: But right, knock exactly. it off! I go to Best Buy for everything. Best right, Buy yeah. <laughs> uh, is my
0: hero. <laughs> that'll be the show when I have you back on. Uh, right but, now, was this was this in uh, Wichita that you did this? Yes. Yep. So it was freezing back cold. Home.
1: Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Um, I didn't say we were smart by any means. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I mean, you were going in to buy an electric blanket.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: that was exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, so thank you things. so much, Abby, for coming on the show. It's always just a, a joy you. to talk to you. And I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so impressed with, you know, leaving, leaving a solid um, paying job with a, with a big show which is kind of everybody's dream if you're in an industry, is to get on a big permanent show and have you know, yep. a steady income. And to to say, okay, I've done this and I'm going to go on my own and branch out, that really takes a lot of, I don't even know, uh, it, stamina, strength, belief. There's so many adjectives that come to mind that I probably can't pronounce today. and. Right. I, I really admire people that are willing to take the risk and are willing to do it to follow what they feel is the right thing for them. So huge, huge kudos for that. And I'm glad Hi. to see that the, the store is doing well, that people are really gaining uh, a lot from you being there. And I just, I love that it's growing and getting to be a bigger thing. So congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Um, definitely uh, a lot of the a lot of it comes from just an, an undying support from friends and family which I couldn't be more thankful for than just having this support team that's that's behind me all the time it's it's incredible
0: and of course our friends at Best Buy where we've now probably been banned
1: right from. exactly <laughs> yeah. and uh, and after this ad for Best Buy.
0: Well, keep, keep doing what you're doing. Um, I'll, uh, I'll get all the, the links and everything in the show notes so people can find you and, and, uh, you know, hopefully they'll come visit your store, or at least when they come to town, they'll come yeah. and visit, maybe take a class and, uh, you know, it's just going to get better from here. So keep doing what you're doing.
1: Thanks. Yeah, I'm so excited.
0: Excellent. Well, take care, Abby. You too. Bye-bye. See, how could you not just want to hug this girl? I mean, she is just so bubbly and warm and friendly and just a joy to be around. Thank you, Abby, for coming on the show. For those of you that are listening or about to stop listening because it's almost over, please leave a star rating, some feedback, or a review of the show on iTunes. Uh, I think you can also do it on Spotify. I'm not sure, but please do that when you have a moment. It just takes a couple seconds and it helps us out. There's also a donate button on my website. If if you would like to send a little money your way to the podcast so that we can keep doing this. Thank you guys and have a great week. Tune in for that episode on Saturday.